Good happy Wednesday morning slash afternoon, wherever you are in the world, everyone. This is Doug for our Touchdown Wire in the USA Today Sports Media Group. And the guy over there is Greg Cosell of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. And Greg, we have uh, three weeks into the season in the books, and we're looking ahead to week four. So before we get into the obvious game, which is Dolphins-Bills, we will get there, believe me. Um, <laughs> we could go very long on that one. I want to yes, start with... Yeah, oh boy. I'm even doing uh, a full segment on, on that game in the matchup show, and I normally don't do that, but it warrants a full segment. You kind of have to. Uh, so yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. But there is an important Thursday night game, Detroit Lions at Green Bay Packers. And I know you did, we've discussed this before, a very deep dive on the Lions offense uh, in the offseason. You know, Ben Johnson and everyone loves their OC. Uh, what have you seen through three weeks? I, I that like uh, Sam Laporta's touchdown against the Falcons, where he did that little stutter post and put Richie James in the shadow realm. <laughs> They've got some really creative stuff. So, uh, Joe Barry's Packers defense, kind of middle of the pack. What is Barry and what are Barry and his guys facing well, in this Lions offense? Yeah, you know, I don't know how you feel when you watch tape, but when I watch offenses, I'm always struck by precision okay because look every coach will tell you that when they call a play they want the quarterback to throw to the primary read that's the goal now obviously that doesn't happen all the time but you know one of the things that really stands out to me about good passing games is when you can see the quarterback drop back hit his back foot and the ball kind of comes out and he's comfortable with where he's throwing the football which says that the route concepts as designed on that play call versus the anticipated coverage that they're getting what they want. Um, And you see that a lot with the lions. And, you know, I think we've discussed this before that they have such a good feel for spacing and their route concepts. It defines the throws for Jared Goff. And you want to do this with any quarterback, but it becomes much more important and more essential with a quarterback. That's not a second reaction player. You know, Jared Goff, well, every once in a while he can move. He's certainly a pocket quarterback. He's not going to make his living making second reaction scrambling plays. And, you know, one reason why a lot of people think, oh, he was reborn and rejuvenated is because they understand that what he is and how to get the most out of him. And when you watch their offense, you just get a really strong sense that it all works together so efficiently and very rhythmically. So the question you ask, then you get into, you know, how do you really deal with those kinds of offenses? And by the way, we're going to have the same discussion when we do get to Buffalo and Miami. So it comes down to how do you disrupt timing? And there's obviously multiple ways to do that, but that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to disrupt timing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd almost rather wait for the, the more, extensive discussion with Miami because I think it's more interesting, but ultimately that's what Joe Barry has to figure out is how to disrupt timing so that Goff can't hit that back foot and feel very comfortable with where he's delivering the football. Well, the reason I did this with my hands is the first thing I disrupt timing. I first think of Lester Hayes and press, you know, <laughs> get up on which, the guy. Which go, again, which, which it can go either way. Depending right. On and, and then you get into the motion element, which the lions do well. Certainly yep. we know the dolphins do exceptionally well. Um, you know, I spoke to a defensive coach this week who said that you you can it's possible to jam motions, but it takes a lot of work and it's very hard. But it's possible. But you know the whole thing with with dealing with the receivers as opposed to the quarterback because the ball comes out quick. 
that becomes a tough deal when you when you deal with motion because it's it's harder to jam receivers when they're on the move, particularly sure. when they're crossing the formation. Well, with those like speed motions, the yep. all motions, that, that I, I don't know how you press that because the guy's already going full speed when he hits. Right, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Love against the Saints, and the Saints have a great defense. They mat, they mat, they put uh, pressure and match coverage together as well as any defense in the league. I, I couldn't agree more. It's I'm oh, so glad you said that, and I, so, I, I I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. it just made me think of all the pieces I've done over the years on the Saints defense. And obviously, Dennis Allen was the coordinator for years under Sean Payton. Now he's the head coach, but it's still his defense. And actually, we're not going to get into this, but you're seeing some similar things with Ryan Nielsen in Atlanta because he came. Sure from new orleans so you're seeing some similar concepts hey but i said two, last week the falcons defense is underrated yeah but but but, but dennis allen does such a great job with his zone pressure concepts but you still have to match routes so even though yeah. it's not man per se i mean how many times and i know i've done pieces like this over many years on the matchup show where you see you know someone like demario davis on the line of scrimmage or or a DB on the line of scrimmage, and then they run out to match. Let's say it's trips to one side. Somebody has to match two. Somebody has to match three. And they do such a good job with that, that receivers look open right away, but they're not open. So the Lions, I mean, Brian Branch is playing out of his mind. They've got some guys doing some really nice things. Jack Campbell was on the edge a lot last week, which is like, oh, okay, that's weird. Jack Campbell um, is going to be a really good player. Yeah, Jack Campbell so, is, is a legit 6'5". He's more athletic than he was given credit for coming out of Iowa. I did his tape. I loved him. You did his tape, I'm sure, as well. I think he surprised a lot of people at the Combine with his athletic testing measurables, much better than people thought, because I think a lot of people thought – watching his tape, they, they were uncertain as to what he was athletically. You know, sure. they saw that he was six, five, they saw that he could stack and shed inside the box, but they weren't sure what he could be athletically. And while I wouldn't say he's Luke Keekley, he certainly has athleticism where you can do multiple things with him. So moving to this concept, this game, uh, Jordan Love in the first half, seven of 16 under a hundred yards. And he was struggling with the, the, you know, pressure and match stuff we talked about. Which is no surprise. He hasn't played a yeah, lot of football. Which, that's, yeah, it's, I'm not. It, my point is in the in the second half, he had three explosive throws all in the tight windows. He had a little better protection and he just had enough time to hit his back foot find his guy, you said hit the back foot, find the read and go. But these were really good tight window throws against the top five defense. And I was really impressed with how he played in the second half. Yeah. And I got to tell you, Doug, one thing I really like about Jordan Love, well, there's a couple of things. And I've always liked Jordan Love. I did him his, his next to last year in college when he was really good. And I came away from that thinking if this guy had a great final year in college, he'd be a top 10 pick. And of course there was a big coaching change watching his tape his last year. I'm sure you watched it as well. You could see a quarterback that was clearly not comfortable and he just didn't play well. His play his last year in college did not warrant a top 10 pick, but the Packers obviously traded up to draft him because the talent is there. He's big. He's an easy thrower. He's got mobility. But the point I was going to make, which I, I've always believed this, you and I have had this conversation in the past because we've talked football for a lot of years. He He's willing to make difficult throws. And I, in the NFL, you have to be willing to make difficult throws because game situations will demand that, you know, will demand that you can't check it down, that you've got to attempt difficult throws. And what he also appears to be, which I think is really important, is mentally amnesic. 
you know, in, in the sense that if he's yes. missing some throws, because he, I got to tell you, in the first three games, while he's made some great throws and great reads, he's also missed some throws that he's going to have to make. Yep. Uh, but it doesn't seem to affect him as he gets later in the game. I remember Archie Manning saying about his two sons that Eli was always a much better amnesiac and Peyton held on to everything. <laughs> it's, well, it's just different with different guys. And you can almost see that in just the way they are as people, you oh, know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we have the Manning cast now because people that Eli has this like sneaky, subversive sense of humor. Which yes, 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 yes. Really but, but, but Love is going to be a really interesting guy for us to continue to watch and evaluate as the year progresses because the talent level is certainly plus. Um, and we'll see how it goes. You know, so far he's acquitted himself well. Like I said, he's missed some throws he's going to have to make. Um, and I'm sure when they do their their hardcore charting, which, you know, you and I are not charting every single player like a coaching staff does, I'm sure there are many examples where they feel he might have missed some things. But overall, given that I know he's been in the league a while, but given that he's inexperienced as a starter, I think you'd have to say the results have been positive. Yep. Okay, let's get to the main event. Uh, and again, we could go, I could go five hours on this. I've done so much tape. Uh, Dolphins at Bills. Uh, we know about the 70 20 records they set, all that. Let, let's get into some, let, let's spin it forward here. Uh, Greg, if I asked you which quarterback leads the league in dropbacks with 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, who would it be? It would, it would be Tua. It would be Tua. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's yeah. funny you say that, and then we'll get you know. Yeah, they they are not driven by personnel. They essentially have played ninety percent of their snaps this year in two personnel packages, yep. eleven and twenty-one. Yep. So they're not one of those teams when you prepare for them that you have to think, wow, they're going to be in four, five, six different personnel packages. They're not driven by personnel. Uh, the Dolphins have been in 21 on 36% of their snaps this season. Uh, and they ran the ball so much against the Broncos, you, they were actually in 21 on 35, so it was below their season average. Um, but I want to get in a little bit into the run game. Mike McDaniel said Monday that Jalen Waddle is still in the concussion protocol, but he's optimistic for this game. Uh, Waddle was out for the Broncos game, and the ways in which Miami employed different run concepts that let eye candy was fat. It was like everything from crack toss to inside zone counter, and there's so much eye candy pre-snap, it's really tough to deal with. And yeah, well, that's, Bill, that's the deal. I mean, the Bills have a great defense, but they've also allowed 263 yards after contact and a league high 5.9 yards per carry. So they've allowed eight yeah. explosive run plays to seven explosive pass plays. Although I, I think playing the run. And I've, I've talked to coaches about this as well, but I believe this. I think playing the run factors into your approach to the pass. In mm -hmm. other words, you don't go into playing the Dolphins with the idea that we're going to load up to stop the run. No. That's, not, that's not the way you, you put your defense together, okay? And, and let's, let's hear, let's walk through this because I think, I, I hope fans think this is interesting because obviously the Dolphins just put up college numbers, so – you know, that doesn't happen in the NFL, what they just did, 70 points, and was it over 700 yards of offense, whatever it was. Yeah. It was college numbers. Um, so I think most coaches would say that you treat their 21 like 11. You, you don't treat it like 21 because most teams, if they line up in 21, you're going to play your base defense, you know, and which means four defensive backs. And I think you treat 21 like 11. 
because formationally it ends up being the same thing with the way they use Ingold. I mean, yes, is Ingold in the backfield at times? Of course he is, but he's also not a good part of the time. So you treat formationally 21 like 11 personnel because Ingold is often used as a wide receiver in terms of alignment and motions. Um, and you just hit on a phrase that that is used always when when with teams with motion is they give you a lot of eye candy. And with all those motions and the eye candy, what has to happen is you shrink your menu. You can't get to all of your calls on defense. And Mike McDaniel knows this. So, yeah. you know, so you it, it, you it shrinks your menu with what you can call defensively and with with potential adjustments and reactions to the motion. So you, you end up playing certain particular defenses and the Dolphins based on film study will know what those defenses are. Um, so now we all know we were talking about this when we spoke about um, Jared Goff and, and, and that offense is you have to be able to play. And this is gets to the run game. You have to be able to play out of two shell. So that means that your linebackers must be able to be really good in the run game because you have to play at a two shell because you can't play at a single high because you can't match up to Tyreek Hill outside the numbers. No, you know, so you have to be able to play out of two shell. So two things have to happen. Oh, you the have to be able to play out of two shell either. So, <laughs> right. But, but, you know, we're talking about probability and tendency, right. you know, you still have to show up and play. So you have to be able to play at a two shell so your linebackers have to be really good in the run game, and you have to be able to pressure the quarterback with your four-down linemen. Because you can take away, if you really, you know, if you have them uh, studied in, in great detail, which the Bills will, they're in the same division, um, you can take away those first window throws if you really study them well. But then your front four has to get there, Okay. And a great example of, of that not happening was last week, the 54-yarder to Hill on the second or third play of the game. Yep. They took away the first window throw, mm -hmm. but the front four was nowhere to be found. Right. And therefore, Tua, who's not really a late-in-the-down quarterback, but he was sitting there in a clean, secure pocket, and he had time to get to Hill, who adjusted his route and mm – -hmm. uh, and, and got behind the quarter safety because right. the quarter safety was the one who kind of took away the first window. Right. So, and everyone was bashing them for clamping down on the, the no, that's the, that's the open read. It, it's just that, you know, the, the same. You have to be able yeah. to do, and if you can't do them, it's, it's going to be tough to defend them, you know, and some teams can do them and some teams can't, but, you have to be able to, to rush with four and, and at least impact Tua. It's not about sacks. It's impacting them. Well, let's get into the Bills' defense. Uh, the Bills' blitz rate of 16.7% is the fourth lowest in the NFL, and the Rams, Bears, and Eagles have blitzed at a lower rate. And they actually upped that because they blitzed Sam Howell more than I kind of expect them to. Well, and but that's because they were playing against a quarterback in his fourth start and a below-average O-line by NFL standards. Right. But here's the thing. So 16.7% blitz rate. Their pressure rate of 30% is the NFL's third highest, only the Browns and Steelers have a higher pressure rate. So this is a front four that can get home, and that makes it interesting. Yeah, it's going to be – and that's a key thing. I mean, can they get – it's not a matter of getting home. Can they apply pressure? 
Um, you know, and, and, you know, how will they deploy their front four? You know, the key to the Dolphins passing game, they don't really work outside the numbers, particularly often or well. So everything is between the numbers, often between the hashes. So do you take someone like Greg Rousseau, who normally lines up at DN? Do you put him inside just to get his hands up? He's six seven. You know, do you do things like that? I don't know. I'm just, you know, kind of spitballing here. But, you know, can they get there with four? That's the key thing. Um, you know, Epines is also tall. Uh, so you you have to be able to impact Tua with your down four. And the, and that to me is is so critical in this game. You know, the game this past week, I know their their numbers were great. They have nine sacks, you know, all that. That's not going to happen this week. It's, no. it's a different game. And Sam Howell was in his fourth star. And by the way, I like Sam Howell, and I think he's going to be a good player. But that's, you know, that's not really relevant to what, what – what they're facing with the Dolphins? Yeah, you know, a lot of the a lot of the sacks. It was kind of like Justin Fields. A lot of his sacks were just you know throw it, throw it, throw it, and then you get sacked. But right, that's a whole different thing. And when two was blitz this year, not a lot. Uh, it, it's like okay, hit the hit the hot right away, just boom. So and he doesn't see a lot of pre and post snap safety switches, probably because defenses are worried about getting torched with a miscommunication. Well, but you wonder well, if the Bills can do that. This defense. The Bills can do that because they have two veteran safeties. And, what, and you know, one thing the Bills have done uh, when they play Tua is they have done a little bit of safety rotation uh, mm-hmm. because all you're trying to do is create a little doubt for Tua because yep. if, it's, if it's clean, it's too hard, you know, on a defense. If, so, so, again, you, you know, you're not going to start moving everybody around, as you know. You know, you don't do that. Yep. Uh, but Not against you, that offense. You try to do just enough just to create – that because don't forget, two is getting the ball out a lot in 1.5 seconds, mm-hmm. so that's not a lot of time. So, if he just has to take another fraction of a fraction to, to verify what he's seeing, that may be enough for the defense to win. So, you're Half just trying to create a little bit of doubt. I mean, Half we're talking hit. about a, a sport in which fractions matter, mm-hmm. and you're just trying to create a fraction of hesitation. Half a hitch, as I call it. Well, uh, Tua's season-long average time to throw is the lowest in the NFL at 2.34 seconds. Yeah. But his average intended air yards is 9.2, fifth highest in the league. That's that's bad math for a defense. Whew. Anyway. Well, that's because of that speed. Oh Those God. receivers, even on oh. quick rhythm throws, get a couple of yards further down the field than your normal receivers. Right. And that's not yak. That's air yards. That's No, that's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, do yeah. yak. So when you uh, think about, say, oh, you know, three-step drop, quick slant, their quick slant almost becomes like a condensed skinny post because the receivers are so fast to get down the field. Yeah, when you can run a deep over in the quick game, you got problems. (laughs) It's ridiculous. So Ravens at Browns, and uh, let's get into some historically – The Browns' uh, defense is pretty good, by the way. Ooh, doggy. Uh, So – and they've – you know – They've been like historically great. We know this. And Grant Delpit, just my notes on it, Grant Delpit has been a problem everywhere on the field. Highly effective blitzer, run stopper from the edge in the box. He yeah. can also cover to the deep third. Uh, Owusu Kormara is Schwartz's box missile, plays with his hair on fire at all times. Will bite on misdirection and play action, but he is a terror through open gaps. And the fronts are an absolute nightmare because they move their guys around to different gaps. And the the one where, with uh, Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith on the same side, like outside, uh, yeah, it's Smith a tough will deal. Be outside the guard and Garrett will be outside the tackle. I mean, no way. So it's a tough deal. Yeah. Yeah. So we know they're a wide nine team. You've talked a little bit, and I'd like you to expand on this. 
what Jim Schwartz does in coverage, it's a lot of subtle little twists of the knife. You are correct. Um, you know, he shows inverted two. He shows inverted cover three. Which you don't uh, see a lot. No, and even in his normal cover three, he very often has the post safety play lower as opposed to higher, you know, to take away in breaking routes, you know. So he does, like you said, little tweaks with coverage that, again, all that creates doubt for a quarterback, and they have to take extra time to kind of, you know, digest it and decipher it. Um, and then with their pass rush, you don't really have extra time. Um, but, uh, no, they're, they're, their defense is really, really good. And, you know, a guy who probably will never be talked about much, but I think he's kind of a, you know, the stabilizing player is Anthony Walker. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he may not get 150 tackles. He, he's not the best athlete on the field, but he's just a really good player. You need those guys. So yeah. uh, Lamar Jackson this season has 85 dropbacks in the pocket, nine where he leaves the pocket. He leads the NFL in no-hold dropbacks with 28. Um, the Colts seem to run a lot of zone drops, and he didn't always look comfortable with that. Not that the Browns are going to do that, but just overall, after three games, where are you with the, the Ravens' offense and Lamar's place in it? Yeah, it's funny you say that because after week two, I, I thought Lamar was great week two. I, I came away from that tape going, wow, he looks really comfortable in this offense. Um, he's The ball's getting out of his hand. He's not running as much because he saw it really the way you're supposed to see it. And I felt, man, did he play really well week two. And then this week, I thought for whatever reason – he didn't see it as clearly. He looked a little frenetic. Obviously, he ran more, and he's a great runner. So, you know, many might not view that as a negative if he runs. But we, we know they're working toward him playing more like he did week two than just, you know, running. Um, so we'll see. I mean, um, the, the Browns are not a high-percentage blitz defense, although no. they, they will on occasion. I mean, against the Titans, they did not rush five as much as they had in their two previous games, but I wouldn't say they're high, high-percentage blitz. Blitz is not the problem with them. It's front multiplicity and where is everybody. Right, I right. Here now when you used to be over there, and it's six guys, but two are dropping or three are dropping. And right. And, and as you said, and you're 100% right, Doug, is, you know, Garrett, he moves all around, including over the center. Um, yep. You know, Zadarius Smith, he can line up all around. Um, Okoronkwo, he moves all around. They have three guys that essentially in their nickel fronts move everywhere. You know, and the only guy who doesn't is the guy who's truly a D tackle. He's he's not a guy that moves a lot. You right. know, um, but the other three guys, they could be anywhere. Mm -hmm. And and you know, and particularly when Garrett's off the ball sometimes, and Smith is off the ball at times as well. Those guys can basically then rush through any gap and they can pick out what they consider to be a weakness in the protection and attack it. You know, so it, it's it's really a tough defense to play against. And I'm so glad you mentioned Delpit because he's played really, really good football. Yeah, he's incredible. By the way, we weren't not talking about Cleveland's offense this week because we don't have time, but Kyle Hamilton had three sacks uh, last Sunday some really nice timed late blitzes. So that's something for a Yeah, and they use him. He's an important piece to that defense. Yes. He was my number one player in his class. Just loved him. Um, I just will say this about their offense real quick. Deshaun threw the ball better last week than he has at any time as a Brown. He, he yep. threw the ball with precision ball location, which had, has been a big problem since he started back to the Browns. 
Yeah, the backward pass wasn't great though, but you know, we'll just no, 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 no. <laughs> Aaron Brooks flashbacks. Uh, low key, fascinating game for me, and I'm sure for you, Greg. Steelers at Texans and CJ Stroud against the Jaguars in week three uh, completed eight of 11 against the Blitz for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the Steelers don't blitz a lot, they don't have to. Um, Bobby Sloak's offense. This is the Kyle Shanahan acolytes have taken Shanahan's love for 21 personnel to their new homes. The Dolphins, 49ers, and Texans rank one, two, and three in dropbacks with 21 personnel. Yep. Stroud has completed 10 of 16 for 169 yards and 110 air yards out of 21. And, you know, the, the guy I want to mention, Tank Dell, 5'8, 165. You don't expect him to be your primary outside speed guy. He's got 74 snaps outside and just 27 in the slot this season. He sprayed the Jaguars defense for a couple of big plays where he just ran by everybody. So give me your just overall sense. We know that Steelers defense is great. Texans offense with Stroud, who's kind of a ball placement ninja. What does that look like to you? Yeah, well, I, it's funny. I did Dell coming out of college, and I really, really liked him. Um, yeah, obviously, I knew he was small. He's small, but he's a really good player. Um, uh, and we'll see as the year continues. Uh, Stroud, to me, he's a really interesting guy. I mean, I think he plays with tremendous poise and composure and awareness in the pocket. Um, he's so far through three games. And, you know, don't forget, any one of these games, he could have, you know, throw three picks and have a tough day. He's a rookie. That's what happens. But if you're just evaluating the player, you know, you're seeing a guy that he stayed with his fundamental technique in muddied pockets. He maintained his reading progressions. Um, there's There was kind of a mental and physical efficiency to the way in which he plays. Yes. Um, you know, he, he plays with what I would call a desirable combination of both pocket patience yet decisiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, he never looks like he's playing fast or or hurrying what he's doing. The Um, word I used watching his tape this week, like five times was calm over and over. He's calm. Yeah. I mean, and I thought that, believe it or not, I thought his best throw was a 17 yard throw to woods on an outcut because the play design was shotgun bang run action throwing to Collins on, on the five-step slant and it got taken away. So it, the throw was not clean. So he turned his body totally to the other side of the field, reset his feet and threw the outcut to Woods at 17 yards on the opposite sideline. I thought that was big time quarterbacking for a guy in his third NFL start. Yep. Yeah. Good. That's uh real quick. What did you, what did you see? The Steelers appeared to have sort of turned their offense around. I mean, it was against the Raiders, yeah. But from what did you see from Kenny Pickett in this game, in that previous game? Uh, he's still up and down, but he made yeah. better throws. Um, you know, I was talking with my guys on the matchup show, um, you know, about him. And, you know, I think that he's still not comfortable. I think there's a lot of snaps in which his mental clock seems to be racing. Um, I think he's anticipating and perceiving pressure based on his own line. Um, so he races a little bit instead of getting to a third or a fourth read, he looks to break down and move. Um, he's still missing some throws that he can't miss, but I think overall this week, he threw it a little better than he did through the first two games. Um, you know, he just needs to kind of keep settling down a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. he did have a tendency even in college at times to break down and leave the pocket prematurely. That may be just built into his game a little bit, Doug, Um, but you know, you got to try to keep working to get past that a little bit. You can't, you can't play like that all the time. 
Yep. A couple quick hits here. Cardinals at 49ers. And <laughs> in beating the Cowboys, Cardinals offense, according to Drew Petzing, did a really nice job of using the Cowboys' aggressive tendencies against them. Without and question. Rondale Moore's 45-yard touchdown run. First of all, it was uh, 0-1 personnel, no running backs, one tight end, four receivers. Nate Tice broke this down on his Wind the Clock video, and it's just a, a really cool play. They had four strong, uh, more in the backfield, and bunch right. And so the Cowboys were going that way. Run play went the other way. Froholt, the Cardinal center, who's been playing amazingly well this year. Uh, Jonathan Hankins kicked inside. He uh, lo- looped over and latched, uh, and then, you know, it was just off to the races. It, I guess, it, is the 49ers defense more deliberate in maybe not falling for the cheese in the way the Cowboys seem to? I don't think they're as aggressive in their approach. I think they're a little more straight up. Um, they They – that was an unbelievably good game plan by uh, an inexperienced offensive staff. Um, just in, in, in the kinds of things they did, it was just really, really good. I mean, you know, they, they basically did a ton of misdirection. They did a ton of backfield actions. Um, you know, they, they did a lot of things to get the, the Cowboys defense to sort of play against itself because yes. they are super aggressive. I think the, the 49ers defense is a little more stable in their approach. They, they have great players, but I don't think that the, the the way in which they play is as aggressive as the Cowboys. And then uh, speaking of Cowboys, Cowboys and Patriots, uh, your thoughts real quick on Dak, kind of the red zone woes and Dak against New England's defense, because we can, you know, the offense is whatever it is that, you know, New England's defense, once again, really good, really interesting, very diverse. Yeah, and I'm just being honest. I didn't. I haven't seen the Cowboys' offensive tape yet. I, I made it a point to watch the Cards' offense just because. I, just, I wanted because you, know, you had some comments in general about Dak. When we talked on the phone. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously red zone is always critical, but I think in general with Dak, you know, you're dealing with a quarterback that at this point in his career is kind of a mid-range ball distributor, executor of an offense. Um, needs a good O line. Needs needs a run game. Needs receivers to work for him. Um, you know, he's a pocket quarterback who needs it all to work. Um, you know, he's at his best. He'll be efficient. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that, you know, he's at the point in his career where, to me, that's what he is. Um, you know, he's he's not he's not a, a wow quarterback in terms of making special second reaction plays or, you know, those kinds of things. So, you know, he kind of needs the offense to work and he needs the offense to work for him through mm-hmm. its design. Can he, can he, is he a lifter, a transcendent? Can he lift a thing beyond it? No, not at this point. No. Yeah. But again, let's walk through this. No, but is it nice? Sure. Let's walk through that real quick, just before we wrap up. How many quarterbacks in the league would you say are that guy? At any given time, four or five. Yes. So that's not, you know, it probably came across to a lot of people as a negative to what I just said, but it's not like there's 15 quarterbacks like that. No. No, not at all. Well, Greg, you always lift uh, our our sales, and uh, we're glad to have you as always. And uh, we'll talk more X's and O's next week. Thanks, Doug. This, that was awesome. Loved it. Yeah, enjoy the games, everyone, especially Dolphins Bills. Oh my gosh. <laughs>